Yeah, no one's untouchable unless, you know, you tell yourself that they are. I mean, everybody at different times might have free time or might be, have a willingness or want to do something, but it's all about adding value to other people's lives. It's the same way I approach sales is if you're adding value to them, you're not asking for something, but you're asking to help them. You're asking to solve a problem for them. You're asking to promote them. You know, if you make it about them and how you're going to help them, you're going to have a much better opportunity to make that connection. Welcome to the Add Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we're on a mission to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you're an entrepreneur with a burning desire to change the world, this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform your life and business so that you can achieve the freedom and fulfillment you crave. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs who want more out of their life, more meaning, more purpose, and ultimately, more happiness. You deserve it all and it's possible. I'm your host, Robert Peterson, pastor turned life coach for business owners. I believe that success without happiness is not true success at all, but there's always hope for those who are willing to take action. Join us every week as we bring you inspiring leaders and messages that will help you on your journey towards success. Thank you for investing your time with us today. Let's get started. Just wanted to mention this episode was recorded earlier, and as our audience grows, we just wanted to share some of the value from our earlier episodes. Heather Monahan is today's guest. Heather's a best-selling author twice over, top 50 keynote speaker in the world, podcast host of Creating Confidence, TEDx speaker, and has most recently been appointed to the board of directors of a health-linked corp. Having successfully climbed the corporate ladder for nearly 20 years, Heather is one of the few women to break the glass ceiling and claim her spot in the C-suite. Heather's been featured in USA Today, CNN, Forbes, Fast Company, Gary V's Audio Experience, and The Steve Harvey Show. Heather and her son, Dylan, reside in Miami. Heather shares about adding value and the ability to create connections when you put, other, put the other person first. She chose to become a speaker to sell her book and then figured out that there's a world where speakers get paid and that it's even more impactful. She helps companies and people grow into their authentic self. Her goal is to scale her company to increase her impact in the world. Well, Heather, I sure appreciate you taking the time today to do this and just looking forward to a great conversation. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I typically start with, you know, what got you started on your entrepreneurial journey? And so, you know, where you came from and what made you start your business for yourself? Yeah, I was fired. Um, I was a chief revenue officer in media. I had been really very successful. I had just been named one of the most influential women in radio, and I was unexpectedly fired. And when I took the CRO role, I had to sign a non-compete for 18 months with the company I was working for. So I found myself unemployed, and I couldn't go back to the industry that I had my expertise in. So I decided if I was going to start over somewhere as a rookie, I might as well try working for myself. Absolutely. So starting over for yourself, um, I, I, you, you recognize the power of stages and putting yourself out there as a speaker. How did that help you? I don't know that it helped me. I just I was leaning into where I had experience that wasn't competing against my past employer. So I had spoken for 20 years. We just didn't get paid for it back then. So I was trying to find what talents and skill sets I had 
that were non-competitive and weren't going to breach that agreement I had signed, but that I could generate value from. Nice. Well, in your book, Overcome Your Villains, you talk about your sales and marketing experience and using that to sell you, sell yourself to yourself. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, I did a TED talk about this. I was in the advertising industry for over 25 years. And one of the things that, you know, the majority of the white papers that we would write and, and consume were all around this concept of, you know, having a call to action, having a music bed with anything to create, you know, an illicit memory, you know, th these steps, these very simplistic steps that I started thinking, wait a minute, if we're able to sell millions of burgers from McDonald's or millions of cars for GM through leveraging this strategy, why don't I try to leverage this strategy to myself and create my own ad campaign to create confidence in myself? Anytime you're going into a new situation, starting over as a beginner, you're going to have some level of fear or concern or lack of confidence. So that's exactly what I did. Hmm. That's fantastic. Well, and and then you made the, the choice to self-publish. So, so what did you learn in writing and self-publishing The Confidence Creator? You can move very quickly. You can write and self-publish a book in a couple of months. You know, the, the only restrictions are really the ones that you create for yourself. So speed to market is critical, you know, for me in, in launching a new business. And it was definitely the right approach. Now I've written one with a traditional publisher, and that one took two years to bring to market. So you know, if speed to market's important to you, I would definitely suggest to anybody to self-publish. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and what about the writing process for you? Obviously, now that you've done it twice, is is it getting easier to write and to share your story? Yeah, I didn't find it challenging. I, I find writing, it was something I've never done in my life. I never set out to be a writer. But like anything, if you haven't tried it, you don't know if you'll be good at it or if it'll be a struggle, but it, it comes really easy to me. It's not a chore. It's not something I mind. And it happens pretty quickly. So, you know, again, to others listening, just because it might be hard for somebody else or other people tell you it's going to be hard doesn't mean it actually will be for you. So just give it a shot. <laughs> nice. Well, and let's let's talk about purpose. Obviously, you lost a six figure job that was paying you well. You had a, a definite purpose. But discovering that purpose for yourself, I believe entrepreneurs are in business to make money, but obviously making money can't be what it's about. <laughs> and so you have to be able to make money, but yet have a, a bigger purpose. Yeah. You know, the difference is when I was in corporate America, I always sat on the board of a charity. I always gave back. That's something that's important to me is to help mm. others. The difference now is I've been able to create a company that's centered around helping people. So I don't have to go to work during the day and then at night go volunteer. I'm doing that work all day long, every day, and I'm getting paid for it, which in my world, that's the ideal, that's the ideal recipe for success. So I don't have to, you know, work two jobs to achieve purpose and income. Oh, so good. Well, let's talk about the the value of of giving back, of contribution and 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 how that serves your business as well as keeps you aligned with the community. Well, I mean, to me, it's about giving your community what they want. So people let me know what they're looking for from me, you know, whether it be sales tips, they want to learn how to be a better speaker. They want confidence tips. They want to learn how to overcome challenging situations. But to me, it's all about listening to your community and giving them what they're asking for. Nice. So obviously your sales and marketing to yourself you know, was dealing with the voice in your head and, and rewriting that, that story. 
what does it take to own that voice in your head? It's different for everybody. You know, I don't believe in a, a one resolution or one pill answer for everyone, right? So some people just have been not cognizant of, of what they're thinking. They're just not aware. They're busy. They're not paying attention. For those people, it's just becoming self-aware, right? For other people, it's about repetition and, you know, writing a narrative that you want to run in your mind and rewriting it and practicing it. You know, for others, it's about getting away from negative people that are constantly putting others down and putting those ideas and thoughts in their head. Oh, nice. That's so good. I like the, the writing it down, right? Telling yourself that story and, and repeating it daily, right? It's, it's getting in the repetitions at this new skill. Um, and so you, you, you took a, an advertising and marketing approach to the way you wanted to speak to yourself and then, and then repeated it every day. And so how, how are those routines still, still working for you? I don't use them anymore, right? So like anything, it's similar. I compare whether you're creating confidence, dealing with challenging situations, it's very similar to working out in a gym. You know, if you go to the gym and all you do is ride the Peloton every day, at some point you're gonna have to do something different if you want a different result. So for me at that point in time in my life, that was necessary. I needed to work on my inner voice and my self-talk. I don't need to work on that. I work on different things now, right? So. Like most people, you want to evolve and grow and, and be able to overcome certain situations, rewrite those narratives, and then move on to that next thing. Hmm. Nice. Well, that takes me to, you spoke about the power of, of breaking the routine instead of keeping the routine. So how, how is it valuable to break the routine? Well, how else do you grow? I don't, I don't know how else someone would grow, right? If you're just going to stay in the same situation, doing the same thing day in and day out, you're not giving yourself a growth opportunity. So I'm all about trying to find new and unfamiliar situations to step into, whether it be writing a book, whether it be giving a TED talk, whether it be taking a bigger stage, constantly challenging yourself to keep that growth moving. Mm. So good. So obviously your books overcome your villain um, and and your villain in, in the main villain was obviously, you know, getting fired and, and that, that situation but behind that, but for your own heart and for your sake, um, was it important to forgive your villain to, to cut those emotional strings? The funny thing is she and I never really had a relationship. We had always worked um, in parallel situations at our company, but we were not, we didn't work day to day. We weren't close. So there wasn't a, a lot of forgiveness. I didn't have a lot of expectations for her. You know, she made a decision that worked for her. She didn't want me there for whatever reason she had, but it wasn't it wasn't a betrayal situation. We were ne we never had a personal relationship in the 14 years we spent in the same company. Uh, it wasn't it was never like that. You know, I think mm -hmm. if it had been like that, it probably I probably wouldn't have been fired. But um, she did what she needed to do for her situation and and to feel good about her team. And and I did what I need to do. You know, moving on. Absolutely. So. Let's talk about the impact of, of being an author. What, how has that served you? You know, it's an interesting thing because you get a lot of messages from people that you don't know. And, you know, they tell you their stories of the impact that they, you know, I, the learnings from your book, the teachings from your book, I applied to my life and here's what happened. So that's, you know, typically that's, it comes out of nowhere. You don't know when you wake up in the morning, how many messages you'll get or what you're, you're going to hear, but it's um it's a very rewarding 
position to be in when you've created something. I wrote my book, Confidence Creator, in 2018, and I still get messages today about it. So it, it's something that it's like a legacy item in your life that you leave on and hope that it can impact more people. Mm. And so how how has podcasting been different than being an author? And what's been the impact of, of hosting your podcast? Podcasting is a lot more work because you're doing that week in and week out. It's twice a week, right? You write, you write a book, it's done. It goes <laughs> to Audible, it goes to the stores and you are done, you move on. And a podcast is ongoing. It's it's definitely a lot more work. You know, um, it's it evolves over time as you change and grow. The show changes and grows based upon the listener feedback and the community feedback that you get. But a, a podcast is a living, breathing thing. Where a book is something that you create and then you move on from. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, connection has been a big part of of your journey over since two thousand eighteen, and you know, making new connections. Um, what what has been the most exciting celebrity connection? Um, I I guess from a goal standpoint, it was uh, reaching Gary V and then you know having him on my show and then going on his show because that was important to me. I knew the podcasting space was noisy, and if I wanted to get some attention and get people tuning into the show, it would take landing a really big name. And so for me that I, I was really glad that he agreed to do it and was my first guest on the show. Nice. Yeah, that is really good. So let's talk about making connections and, and the value of connections and, and, and reaching out to those people that seem untouchable. Yeah, no one's untouchable unless, you know, you tell yourself that they are. I mean, everybody at different times might have free time or might be, have a willingness or want to do something, but it's all about adding value to other people's lives. It's the same way I approach sales is if you're adding value to them, you're not asking for something, but you're asking to help them. You're asking to solve a problem for them. You're asking to promote them. You know, if you make it about them and how you're going to help them, you're going to have a much better opportunity to make that connection. Mm. So good. <clears throat> so what's been one of the most effect what's been most effective for helping you build your audience? Showing up as the most real version of yourself. You know, I was on social media a long time before I went to work for myself. And at that point in time, I worked for a company that was very controlling around what content went out. So I was definitely much more instructional and polished around here's a you know, five steps to close. Here's you know, three steps to grow your pipeline, very strategic and focused around sales, revenue generation and marketing. And once I was fired, I was able to begin showing up as me, whether that be me as a mother and the challenges around working moms, or whether that be that day around, you know, trying to stay in shape and traveling a lot for work, just more real stories. And, and for me, that's when I saw my social media grow. Hmm. So that opportunity to be vulnerable how, how challenging was it to be vulnerable in your book? I mean, not that challenging because I did it, right? So <laughs> you have to look at it as I knew that data doesn't lie. And when you look at the data and I use social media as my testing ground, when I would look at what would perform best, it would really be around the relatable, vulnerable stories that everybody goes through hard times. And so I thought if I can incorporate that into the book, that would make the book much more successful. And it worked. Hmm. Well, I definitely like enjoy the audible version where you know, you just finish reading the chapter and then you just add, you know, your personal highlight or your personal feeling, right? You're saying, oh, I just remember that part now. And it was it was affected me this way. It was so 
exciting or challenging or, or, and just having you relive that um, the emotional part of that is, is pretty powerful in, in the audible version. Yeah. The problem is, as a writer, when you traditionally publish, I had wrote, written that stuff I was reading two years earlier. So it's not as relevant in the moment when you're narrating it. And so I thought to be real, I had to give commentary that's actually occurring in the day that I'm recording, which was two years after I wrote the book. So that I just wanted to make sure that it was a little bit more relevant at the time to who I am today and reflect on where I was when I wrote that. It's, it's so good. It, it just adds, it takes the book to another level. So uh, for you. me, I just think, you know, why would I read a book with the voice in my head when I can get an audible and, and, and not just the audible in the author's voice, but get the extra commentary where they're, they're adding even more value. Well, I, again, data doesn't lie. And I didn't come up with that idea. I had listened to the David Goggins book, You Can't Hurt Me. That book <laughs> sold millions and millions of copies. His Audible was ranked, you know, number one for I don't know how long. So something I said to myself, okay, there's something here that is a formula for success. Let me listen to his book. And while he didn't narrate the book, he did come in at the end of every chapter and he voiced his own opinion and giving reflection. And that's where I got the idea from. Nice. Well, it's a great idea. And obviously David's a beast. So <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, his book's hard to read. I mean, in the beginning, right? It's just like, whoo, man, so much he went through and then so much he put himself through <laughs> just in the lifestyle he chose. But uh, so many lessons that you can you can take from. Yeah, it's from a that. great book. Absolutely. And love, love that you've taken the lesson of how can I market this? How can I how can I use this, you know, in, in what I'm putting together? Well, it's important people, you know, I actually had um, a guest on my show. I can't remember his name right now, but his, his concept in his book was all around. There's no original ideas that what we're doing is deconstructing successful ideas and seeing how we can apply that system and methodology into whatever it is we're creating, whether it be a talk, a book, it could be anything, but there's examples out there already of what success looks like in that field discover what that is and reverse engineer it into whatever you're doing next. Hmm. That's so good. So what point did you realize how valuable you really were? I mean, there's different points in my, I was incredibly successful in my early twenties. I um, took over a $25 million property when I was 24 and my job was to accelerate revenues and sell the company. And I did that. And we sold the company for 55 million in under three years. And that was the first time I realized in my life, you know, this is this is unbelievable, you know, to generate $30 million in, in less than three years. It's not something I had heard of any person in their 20s ever do. And so I remember that day we sold. It was definitely a day that I said, there's something different here that I really need to be proud of. And from a business standpoint, you know, I have many other examples in my business career where I felt that way. The key was around beginning to feel that way outside of just business in my health, you know, in, in working out and feeling strong and rebuilding my back after I threw my back out in my relationship with my son as a working mom and being gone. All that, you know, There are so many different facets of life where I feel like confidence and self-worth can ebb and flow just based upon it just isn't a static line and and you know just if you're successful in business you have a lot of self-worth that's definitely not the case no absolutely it's it's challenging to determine your own value right when you're putting a price out there for for speaking or for for you know doing a, a live event and and 
And how do you price that when you're used to doing it for free? So how, how did you make that transition from, from free to, I got to pay my bills? Well, I, I never intended, I didn't have an initiative. I didn't know the speaking business was a billion dollar entity. I just went, I Googled, how do you sell books? And it said speak. And I thought, great, I'm, I've been speaking for years. That's easy. So I just started cold calling companies and, you know, people would have me in, I'd speak, they'd buy my books and it went, you know, just kind of started accelerating. And I, that was happening for maybe a month. And then one day I called the company and they said, what's your speaker fee? And I had never heard of speaker fee. So I started researching and I found out that day, and this is back in 2018, that Gary Vaynerchuk in 2018 made $350,000 for a 60 minute keynote. And that opened my eyes to wait a minute, I need to pivot from focusing so intently on selling books, I need to focus on this keynote speaking business. So I really started leaning into, okay, what does it mean? How do you launch and scale a speaking business? You need an agent, you need a reel, you need you know, all, all these things that I had to go acquire, put together and relationships I had to construct. I really leaned into that. And, um, and that's how I you know, started figuring out, okay, what do you charge? And then speaking to experts, speaking to people who were years ahead of me, finding out what they were charging. And then you test the marketplace, like anything you negotiate, right? So what you put a speaker fee out and someone says that's too high. Well, if you buy a thousand books, I'm willing to work with you on the price. You know, there's, there's different ways for speakers who are authors that, that, that a speaker can get a benefit that isn't just monetary. Uh, absolutely. Right. Like uh, joint ventures and, and opportunities just for for the marketing and for exposure uh, have value. But recognizing that value and the difference between, you know, selling a, a hundred books at the back of the room or getting paid a speaker fee up front, you know, or both. Right. That, which is. Yeah. Only the speaker can determine that it's different for people at different times, whether they're starting out and they need a reel and maybe they're not interested in getting paid. They just want to get the reel done. It really depends where you are in your journey. Absolutely. But recognizing that there's value to be had in there and not to be giving yourself away. We will be right back after this short break. Are you an entrepreneur who started their business with purpose and passion only to lose sight of it amidst the daily grind? We understand how frustrating that can be. That's why we're offering free strategy calls to help you gain clarity on the barriers holding you back from achieving your dreams. In just 30 minutes, our experienced coaches will work with you to identify obstacles and develop strategies for overcoming them. There's no commitment or pressure, just a chance to get some assistance and clarity you need. Scheduling is easy. Simply visit smilingcall.com and select a time that works for you. Let's jump on a call and build your business together. It's time for you to add value and achieve your full potential as an entrepreneur. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So let's talk about boss in heels. Obviously, that was the hashtag that I came up with when I was fired. So that was just about, you know, throughout my entire career, I'd always had white male bosses who are older. Hmm. And I'd always been told, you can't make it to the C suite and, you know, you're female, you can't do this. And so when I did make it to the C suite and, and really had achieved a high level of success in business, I thought, you know what, people shouldn't be out there saying that you can only be a boss if you're a white male, you should be a boss in flip flops, mm. a boss with purple hair. And for me, it was boss in heels. And, and I started using that hashtag to show people that, you know, you can do it too, no matter how you look. Oh, absolutely. Well, we, you mentioned, 
the, the setting expectations and, and writing, writing your future story and, and telling yourself that story. Um, how, how much has Dylan helped you in, in your confidence and, and in just in, in those times when obviously you've been at home alone over the last, you know, two years of the pandemic. Right. And, and uh, Dylan's kind of become a partner. I mean, but like supporting you and, and, and building you up at times. Well, I think that parenting for anyone, when you have your first child, it's, it's a learning experience, right? It's a growth experience. So it's something that it ebbs and flows. You know, there's times where it goes amazing. And, you know, I feel like I've got such a great handle on, on leading him. And then there's times, of course, like when a pandemic hits and you don't know how you're going to create income and how you're going to pay the mortgage. And, you know, there's moments where, yeah, I've definitely seen my son be someone that, you know, he taught me to write on the bottom of his shoes to allow himself to inspire him in moments when he fell down. And I took that idea and I ran with it. You know, I do it on my shoes. I put it in my book. So I get ideas from him. He's extremely creative, a uh, really intelligent young man. And so he definitely gives me ideas on business, on, you know, confidence building that I incorporate in, in all of my content. Mm. So good. So what's your, what's your favorite thing to do with Dylan? What do you guys love to do together? He's a huge NBA fan. So going to Miami Heat games, traveling and going to NBA games. We went to NBA all-star game in, in Canada once and that, you know, to him, there's nothing better. That's his favorite thing to do. So has he got to go see Golden State? We haven't gone out there, but we've seen them play. Yes. <laughs> nice. So he's a, uh, waiting for his chance for you to introduce him to Steph. Oh no. He's met Steph Curry a few times, actually. Nice. That's awesome. <clears throat> collecting shoes yet. He's been collecting shoes since he was a very young man. Yeah. That's a big <laughs> deal to him. That's so, right behind basketball. So, so do you guys have shoe collecting in common? No, I'm not a collector. Of, no? I don't really collect any. No, I'm not someone who it drives me crazy, actually, because his room is always packed full of things. and I don't like that. I like to get rid of things. So that's a in a way that he and I don't see eye to eye at all. No. <laughs> nice. So he didn't he didn't learn collecting from you then. <laughs> no, definitely not. That's his own thing. So let's let's chat about mentors. What, what have mentors meant in your journey? more as an entrepreneur than in the corporate, but obviously I'm sure you had corporate mentors that, that you learned from and grew from, but really as you've stepped out into this entrepreneurial world, um, how have mentors served you and helped you? And I mean, just, I only have four years, you know, being an entrepreneur, so it's not that much time. I'm still pretty much a rookie, but in corporate America, I had 25 years. So I had a number of mentors and in, in some that were involved in my entire career that impacted me my first uh, boss at when I was in the radio business, you know, he's been a mentor of my life since day one and still is to this day. So there's people that I've just been lucky enough early on in my corporate career that became a part of my life. Now, in the past couple of years, I've met people who, you know, I never knew before um, the pandemic or, you know, my entrepreneurial jury who have helped me in, in instances, which has been great because you know, whether it be how to get to the next level in speaking, how to get to, you know, the next level in the book business or in podcasting or, you know, products, whatever it may be, there definitely have been people that have shown up and been great to offer advice. And that's always incredibly helpful. Hmm. Nice. So have you been able to design or build your business around your family, around the, the things that you want? Are you intentionally designing your business 
Yes, yeah, since the pandemic hit, you know, yes, because my son has been on virtual school on and off, even this year, he was sent back to a week of virtual school. So with that instability, leaning on doing everything that I can virtual versus in person until he's more stable with, you know, going to school on a regular basis. That's definitely been a key part of our strategy. <laughs> yeah. And, and challenging, right? Obviously as a, as a single mom, you don't have as many options for you, you know someone else to, you know, take that space. And, and so if he's got to be home, then chances are you've got to be home. <laughs> And so, yeah, any any parent that had a child on virtual knows, you know, it's really difficult to just leave them to their own discipline during the day. There's going to be many times where there's looking out the window, not even paying attention anymore. It's very different than in person. Oh, I can't even imagine <laughs> my kids, my kids, my son struggled with in person. <laughs> so if he would have had to stare at a computer screen for the six hours a day of school, he'd have lost his mind. Yeah, it's not great. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he would have drawn an image of his head on his <laughs> on the top of his head, so he could just lay his head down on the computer. Yeah, I, I I can't even imagine how challenging that has been for families. But it's just one more thing that you know you figure out, right? And and I think at least your book is an example of your ability to to just figure it out. And and I really appreciate that about your story and about. It, they're just, you know, I want to do this and then just figure it out. Right. And and that's so, so good. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit. Well, how important is play and fun in, in building your business? You know, the, the funny thing is, and I, I remember this now when I was coming up in the radio business, you know, I moved to Michigan for three years while my friends were out partying, getting married, going on vacations. I did not go on one vacation. I did not take one day off for three years, Wow! but I, I netted myself and my partners $30 million as a result. So, you know, and I'll always tell people, I, I remember there were windows of time that in my career, people would tell me I was crazy. And then when I would make it and have these huge wins, people would say, how did you do it? How, oh my gosh, how you're so lucky. How, and it's nothing to do with luck. It's, you know, when you're willing to work and put in the hours that other people aren't, you will find success. It's just fact, right? So yes, being an entrepreneur during a global pandemic is not ideal. It definitely has been challenging, but I put in the work such that I know I planted the seeds that will, the results will be there. And it's having that faith from prior experiences for me that anytime I get frustrated when all my friends are going out and everyone's leaving for, you know, a week vacation and I've got so much going on that I say to myself, this isn't the moment in time that I'm going to do the most vacationing. I remember when I made it to the top in corporate America, I could take vacations anytime I wanted because I had built the infrastructure. I had, I had the expertise. Now I'm starting over as a beginner. I need to build that infrastructure. I need to build that expertise. And then I can start taking a lot of vacations. <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously COVID's a big challenge. What, what's what been the biggest challenge of, of putting this together and, and how did you push through it? Just not knowing, right? When you go from having 25 years of experience, you're an expert at something. When you start over day one as an entrepreneur or as a writer and you've never done it, you have no, so you go from being an expert in a field to being a beginner overnight. It's a very hard transition. It's one that I wish I had started out that way because it wouldn't have been as challenging, right? To start out as a, as a rookie entrepreneur in my early twenties, I was starting out as a rookie no matter where I went. So it didn't really matter. I wish I had rolled the dice on myself sooner, 
But that transition definitely, it, it took some time of, you know, letting go of the old network that I was connected to, letting go of the old contacts that I had and starting to move towards new ones so that I could access information and start leveraging relationships and start building, you know, this new arena for me that, you know, it took, it took a lot of time. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously 25 years of, of a network that, that you're not allowed to compete in is, would be challenging to let go of. And, 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 I guess the value that you had is that you knew how to create a network. So you weren't starting from zero. You were at least starting from, all right, I know how to meet people. I know how to make connections and I just have to choose who do I need to meet, right? Who do I need? Well, the, to the, the challenge is, yes, it, it was good that I knew how to do it and do it successfully because I had proof of concept. I've done it before, but the problem is I know how long it takes, right? So it's almost, it can be a bit intimidating when you know, I know how to do this. I know how long it takes to do this and I know I'm going to do it, but oh my gosh, I'm standing ahead of about, you know, five years of work ahead of me, that's going to be a grind. And, not, you know, I'm not really looking forward to it. But okay, here we go. That that can be a tough pill to swallow. Well, and, and recognizing that the grind has got to be different, right? Because now I've got to grind and take care of, you know, a teenage son. And, and so in many ways, it's easier. When I was in corporate America, I traveled so much for work. It was it's hard. It was very hard to always be leaving home with babysitters and nannies and that guilt that you feel. So mm. that part's been easier. I've spent more time with my son since the global pandemic began than I ever have in my life. And it, it's that's the one blessing out of it is that, you know, I typically every other week was on an airplane traveling somewhere. And so that we've spent a tremendous amount of time together, which has been great. But of course, the downside is, you know, you miss that the networking opportunities and business opportunities from being in person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's hard to network with a room of people if you're only seeing one person in the room on the computer screen. <laughs> networking. Yeah, very I definitely hard. built my entire business prior to, to COVID face-to-face you know, networking in rooms and meeting people and then having follow-ups. And, and so, yeah, it's a huge transition to, to digital. And, and then of course you get all the, the temptations of social media and Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads and all these things that everybody says, Oh, it'll get you clients. It'll get you this. It'll get you that. <laughs> so obviously content has been huge for you in, in social media. And, and I think you had that understanding prior to, you know, starting your own and so putting your content out there um, and interacting. What, well, I guess, what's your favorite social media platform? LinkedIn, where business gets done. For me, that's hands down. Those are people who are speaking the same language that I am. They're interested in growing business. There's people that I want to work with, you know, people I'm trying to access. And 90% of my leads for my business come from LinkedIn. Mm, nice. And now do you, do you have a targeted niche that you're trying to serve in your speaking and in your, in your teaching and training? You know, because of my expertise in sales and sales leadership, no, because any company that's looking at revenue generation and revenue growth is, you know, a potential target for me. But then what I've learned as I've been on my own is I never knew what an MLM company was before, which is primarily female salespeople. And so that's a great niche for me as I've just fell into it. They started calling me and wanting to hire me. And then universities started wanting me speaking, you know, to students. And it's it's been an interesting process. And then women's groups show up and then Google shows up and then Amazon shows up. You know, all these different, you know, technology and the finance business has been a huge that industry has been huge for me, which I was shocked at. You know, I'm definitely not someone who has financial expertise or or background. However, 
a lot of these people struggle to grow their business, you know, grow their book of business to innovate. And so people come to me for very different reasons based around my background. So there is not one niche I would say that I serve. Mm. Well, and let's talk about that, that idea of really it's, it's a part of personal development, right? It's a part of developing character and your character developed through corporate. And then obviously your characters carried on through, you know, your entrepreneurial journey. Um, how important is developing character and, and having character that, that represents your authenticity, right? Getting to be your real self. Yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, being an authentic leader is critical in the day and age that we live in. And it's not welcomed in every culture at every company, right? There's certain cultures that, you know, they don't want that, which is fine. But there's plenty of companies and industries that are welcoming it and growing and taking risks and evolving. And I just, I truly believe that for people to realize their own potential as leaders, you know, you've got to start stepping into a position to be vulnerable. Sarah Blakely, you know, one of the most successful women in our country has oops meetings every Friday to discuss the fails that she has and to encourage her employees to do the same. So she's created a culture where vulnerability is championed and that, you know, the proof is in the pudding results speak for themselves, no matter who you are. And, and her results are epic. Absolutely. Well, and it, and it's challenging in, especially in a corporate, in, in any business culture to, to, it's easy to say, right? It's easy to say, oh, it's okay to make mistakes. We want you to be trying. We want you to experiment, do new stuff, you know? And then, and then of course the, the very next me meeting that the board has is, you know, why are the numbers so far off? Right? <laughs> What's this drop off from? Um, and it's, you know, well, you told us to experiment. And so we tried something new and it didn't go so good, you know, but, but we learned this and this and this, and, but they don't even get the chance to typically say what they learned because the board's like, wait, <laughs> you know, the numbers don't re you know, reflect what, what we're wanting. And so but that means there's a culture. CEO that's not really leading, right? That means there's a CEO that's hiding behind a board. And so I've, I've been a part of companies <laughs> like that, you know, and those are companies that truly don't want authenticity. They there isn't really a leader there. And that's what I found is that if someone's willing to hide behind a board and to say, oh, well, the board said that, you know, the results aren't there and we've got to, okay, forget that idea to try to innovate, only innovate if there's no risk. And I've had someone say that to me before. That doesn't <laughs> That's exist. interesting. Yeah, it doesn't exist. And so those are the companies that truly just aren't authentic. They're not ready for that, that type of growth. Nice. So obviously you're a confidence creator and, and, and overcoming adversity you know, has been a huge part of your, part of your journey. Um, what, what helped you develop your confidence? Sports, definitely, you know, at a young age, being on a team and I, encourage this for young people everywhere is being a part of a team, learning to trust others, learning to rely on others, learning to be champions for one another, learning to cheer one another on, realizing it's not just about you succeeding, it's about being a part of something bigger, right? Watching how you develop, you know, from your elementary years to high school to college and seeing how much better you can get, all of that's applicable in business, right? So anytime that I was starting out in business, I would remember, I remember back when I started softball and I was riding the bench and I didn't know, you know, how to pitch or play this position or whatever it was, you start applying that, you know, to, okay, then I can show up tomorrow as a rookie at my first day on the job 
and know that I'm going to get better and know there's going to people I'm going to find on the team that can help me and, and that I'll help. And, you know, I, I really think sports is a, a great arena to develop confidence. And and so many metaphors that, that apply. I mean, part the ability to lose, right? The ability to handle losing because losing happens when you play a sport. There's no team that's won 100% and I think is valuable. And then, of course, getting your reps in, right? Practicing the basics in a, in a sport is so essential. And obviously, we've, you know, we know the work that people like Steph put in at taking shots from all the different spots, taking hundreds of shots, you know, off the court and, and not, not during a game, right. Practicing and preparing constantly so that it it's when they're in a game, it's so natural and everybody's like, Oh, I want to play like Steph. Well, but you have to be willing to put in the reps. And I think sports has, has those two, those two metaphors are definitely applicable to business and, and helpful for, your experience um, in, in failing, right. In, or in seeing failure in a different way, right. Seeing the loss as, you know, learning opportunity and, and growth opportunity. And then of course, just getting in the reps. So for, for, for you, what, what's been your favorite stage? Of business? For, yeah, for, for speaking. Oh, well, my favorite stage that I've, I've taken, you know, Probably most recently coming out of the pandemic, having been home and on Zoom for so long and doing so many events virtually, my first big stage, I took a big stage last year, Q421 uh, at the um, Gaylord Palms Convention Center in Orlando. And, and that was, it was an amazing feeling to be back in front of a massive audience on a big stage because it was it had been so long, you know, so it was just, it was such an exciting feeling. Mm. Well, and it's so nice to, to get a room with a, the vibration of the room, right. To feel the, to feel the energy. It's, it's, it's really hard to speak into a computer screen and not feel the energy of the room, not get the, the feedback that you get from a room when you're, you're speaking to a room and you, you hear the groans or you hear the oohs and the ahs and the, and of course the applause, uh, I think, it would be challenging to speak <laughs> for a year and a half, two years, just through, through virtual um, so much power, especially a big room. Right. And so what a great, what a great chance to get back. Um, are, are, are you back on a regular speaking tour schedule or is that uh, still? <laughs> Everything's virtual right now. Yeah. Every event that I'm doing is virtual. So, you know, we're, I'm booked for a lot of in-person events, but sometimes things change, you know, a month out and it goes to virtual. So we'll just keep our fingers crossed and see. <laughs> we're going to get one, right? <laughs> keep getting them. <clears throat> what, what inspires you, Heather? I mean, I'm inspired by so much. I'm inspired by so many people in this world with the difficult times that we're going through and the people creating solutions and doing good things to help others. And, you know, just the day-to-day -day kindness that I see in the world, that that inspires me every day. Mm. All right. So what's your big plans with Dylan? Do you guys want to have a big trip planned in the future? Something cool you want to do together? What, uh, what's a dream my, for you and My York? son's favorite play, place to go is a place we've gone many times, which is the Breakers in Palm Beach. He loves that resort, and luckily I love it too. So it's not too far from where we live, so it's definitely something that's accessible to us and doesn't take us away for too long. So that's, that's a great vacation for us. Nice. 
And what's your big dream? To scale my company, you know, that's, it's definitely like I had mentioned earlier, it's no different than when I started out in corporate America and a couple years in, I had a vision for where I was going. I have that vision now for this business. And I know it's just a function of time, but being able to see this business grow and the lives it can impact and, you know, and the results that we get is, it's exciting. Mm, absolutely. So you've spent the last hour speaking with an entrepreneur, having coffee or, or sitting across from Starbucks and you want to leave them with, with Heather's words of wisdom. What would you share? Never take direction from somebody who hasn't been where you're going. That's the most important piece of mm -hmm. advice I can give anyone. Too often people are talked out of their ideas or concepts because of someone who's sitting at home and just sitting on the sidelines and not jumping in the game. Don't take advice from those people. Oh, so powerful. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. I've appreciated your, your journey and your wisdom and your willingness to share it with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. Those aren't just buzzwords. They're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful business. To support you on this journey, we're offering you our most popular survey to help you establish a baseline. Visit enjoybizlife.com to check it out and take the first steps towards changing your life and business. We often make things more complicated than they need to be losing sight of what's truly important. This tool will help you refocus on what matters most so that you can start doing the things you've always wanted to do, like spending quality time with loved ones. And if you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review. But most importantly, share it with someone who needs to hear it. In our next episode, Mary Maduna Gross and Robert have a conversation about self-leadership and the importance it plays in self-development and success. Mary teaches open focus meditation, which for many helps them over the hurdles holding them back from a meditation practice. Mary loves equipping leaders with tools to help them be present and aware of their life and impact. Mm -hmm.